The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Let's get to our guest, David Chow, Global Market Strategist for the Asia Pacific at Invesco. So it's a little bit of a peculiar week. I think many thought that we'd see a much bigger sell-off in the equity markets. Everybody is sounding bearish. Everybody seems to think that the Fed is hawkish and is going to stay so for a considerable period of time. The market seems to be saying to them, we've already discounted it. David, what do you think? Well, I think the, the key question is whether this, um, this relief rally that we've seen in the U.S. Uh, has legs. Um, and, I think that, and I think that that will be very contingent on what Jay Powell says at Jackson Hole um, in the coming hours and whether that's reflective of whether we've seen a peak in inflation um, or not and whether the U.S. Um, is, is going to continue to face some recession fears. I'm in the mindset that I think that the Fed is going to continue to tighten uh, monetary policy uh, and that um, some of the recession fears, though, are, are perhaps um, are overblown a bit um, and that the Fed can can't orchestrate a bit of a, of a soft market. When we look at, though, the market action, if it is quite priced in that we are going to hear a hawkish Jay Powell, what do investors focus on next week? Which assets are going to outperform in the aftermath? Well, I think that uh, many in the APAC region are watching closely because um, previously there there have been muscle memories that uh, rising rates and tightening monetary policies in the U.S. would certainly uh impair uh, emerging market assets. Now, I think that this time around, um, APAC assets are a lot uh, more insulated given the better uh, external fundamentals, which I think that allow APAC policymakers and central bankers to focus perhaps more on domestic conditions. What do you make of the stories that uh, we've done Dow Jones and, and Bloomberg reporting about uh, this improvement in talks between U.S. and China officials on delisting? Well, we've been down this road before where there's been both positive and negative developments and, um, and you know, fool me once. Um, so I, I, I would say that I'm, I'm still standing on the sidelines, especially for ADRs, because I think that the risk still remains. Um, but I think that the valuations are, are pretty compelling, especially for those that think that a deal can be made. In terms of, uh, I guess, the concerns about the the property market in China, though, is this uh, big infrastructure boost that we've seen from authorities going to be enough to turn things around? I think it's certainly a start uh, that the government is showing uh, uh, that they are quite um, in the driver's seat right now when it comes to trying to uh, provide a floor 
to the property market. I don't think any one particular support measure will bring a turnaround and restore confidence to home buyers. Because so far we've seen lower mortgage rates haven't really translated into higher property sales because of the current lack of confidence in large uh, real estate developers and also um, lack of confidence in the pre-sales model. So I think that the central government will need to implement perhaps even further and more credible measures to ensure that some of these stalled projects are completed and delivered to uh, paying households. So outside of China and perhaps Japan, the big story obviously is inflation, whether or not it's peaked. And we, we had that move down in the last data on CPI. But can we be sure that we won't see a rebound in inflation? Because with natural gas prices this high and what's happening with food, you wonder. Well, I think that's a good point to make. Uh, I think that perhaps uh, certain components of inflation have already peaked. If we look at inventory levels, um, they, they're well stocked. So I think goods um, inflation may have peaked in the U.S. Wage prices could be coming down um, soon as well. Um, but you're right. I think that when it comes to energy, energy prices have come, have come down, but I think it's possible that they could uh, reaccelerate, especially if um, there's a threat that Russia could be cutting or curtailing um, all the gas supplies to Europe. I wanted to ask, though, more in terms of some of the commodity impacts of exporter countries when you have this bifurcation between stimulus from China and the aggressive tightening from the Fed. Sure. When we look at the APAC region, certainly uh, export, uh, commodity export oriented economies like Australia and Malaysia, their equity markets have actually uh, outperformed the broader APAC region. And I think that this additional stimulus uh, from the Chinese government should provide a boost both to infrastructure investments and also uh, to the housing market as well. So I think that. Um, some of the stimulus should flow through to the broader uh, APAC region. What is your single number one conviction buy at the moment? I would say buy Chinese equities. They've really given up uh, much of the gains that we saw um, earlier uh, over the past couple of months due to the reopening um, from the lockdowns that we saw in Shanghai and other places. And I think that there could continue to be a risk on in Chinese equities um, over the next uh, couple of months, especially as we head into the, uh, the all-important party Congress, perhaps in November this year. What about uh, Hong Kong? I mean, we're looking at, of course, these tech players that I just mentioned in the data check, but you've still got a lot of concerns about uh, Hong Kong's, I guess, health as a financial hub when we're continuing to see it follow the dynamic zero policy of China. That's right. I think that um, I, I think Hong Kong stocks are cheap, but at the same time, they're not. Um, they don't get the benefit of loosening monetary policies, uh, for example, like in China or the fiscal stimulus that we're seeing in China as well. So I think for Hong Kong stocks, I think a lot of that will be contingent on how quickly that they can open up. We're seeing some positive signs, but um, but perhaps it could take a little while longer. David, after the Party Congress, do you think that Xi Jinping doubles down on common prosperity or eases up a little? Well, I think that the common prosperity theme has has perhaps taken a bit of a, a break over the past couple of months and, and quarters, given uh, the priority on on COVID zero and also on stabilizing the economy. And I think perhaps some of these common prosperity measures may have been 
um, may have elicited um, a few uncertainties regarding some of the policies uh, regarding certain industries. Uh, but I do think that common prosperity should start to reassess perhaps um, um, next year. How much of a complication for authorities is this yuan near a two-year low? I mean, yesterday we saw some kind of intervention to try and uh, stem that weakening yuan with the fix yesterday, the strongest bias since February 2020. Well, I think that um, while a weaker run certainly benefits China's exports, it certainly does not instill confidence, I think, in um, especially for foreign investors looking at Chinese assets. And I think that's why we, uh, we saw a, a stronger fixing um, for the RMB. Now, going forward, I think that policymakers will certainly try to balance this. And, um, and I think that the signals that they're sending is that they certainly don't want, um, they want financial stability uh, heading uh, into that party Congress. So let's go back to the big question, Fed hawkishness. It's a process, if you think it's peaking, you get a slowing of interest rate rises, and then you get a pause, and then you finally get them saying the next move is down. You don't think we're in that process at the moment? I, I think that the Fed is walking a very tight line and trying to thread this needle. Um, and so while uh, financial conditions um, have have um, improved and loosened a bit, um, I think that the Fed is also watching that closely, that they, they certainly want to normalize monetary policy. They certainly want to, uh, you know, uh, contract the economy to the extent that um, inflation mm. comes down. So I think that we're in this very tough balance here. David, thanks as always. David Chow, Global Market Strategist, Asia Pacific Invesco from Hong Kong for us here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.